Hi everyone, and welcome to the 165th episode of Kingdom Hearts Union. I'm your host, Brandon, and I'm here with Churro! Hi guys. Churro, how you doing? I am very tired right now. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's late for you. Yeah, it's almost midnight. So. I'm sorry. We're, we're going to have a really fun discussion today. We got a lot of big stuff to talk about. So, oh yeah. Uh, if you guys are here and you happen to be like a new follower of Kingdom Hearts Union, just welcome to you. Welcome to you. Hey there. It's nice to have you. Thanks for stopping by. On Kingdom Hearts Union, we do our best to have really in-depth discussions. So if you have, if you are coming with questions, if you're confused about anything that has been transpiring over the past few days with regards to the Kingdom Hearts Ultimania and all that nonsense, we got you covered. So anyway, for you new folks, Kingdom Hearts Union is part of the podcast series called Final Fantasy and Kingdom Hearts Union and is presented by the Gaming Union Network. We release every Tuesday, rotating each week with Final Fantasy Union, and we come out on the iTunes store, KingdomHeartsUnion.com, and Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at Cage Union. So as I kind of hinted to before, on this episode, we will be talking about the Kingdom Hearts 3 Ultimedia. Yay! Yay! The Bible, as so, we call it. Yeah, let me just say. So I got my copy. Uh, I know this is bad for audio. Ooh, okay, so that drop was not the... That was my phone. This is the drop that is going to be the uh, the, the Ultimania. If this sounds bad, I'm sorry. I know everybody told me in podcast school, don't drop anything. That's the Ultimania dropping on my desk. So this thing is hefty. Some people called it. It's a Bible. I'm I'm leaning more more towards phone book. This is uh somewhere between a Bible and a phone book. No, I I think the oh I think the the Bible is better. Yeah, it sounds yeah, it's it's a, cooler. It sounds cooler, and that's kind of what it is, uh, at least for Kingdom Hearts. So yeah, we're gonna get into this. And that's so, that's seven hundred and thirty six pages too. Yeah, uh, and if I'm remembering this correct that means it's the longest ultimania is that correct for kingdom hearts for kingdom yes hearts. but the the longest ultimania goes to final fantasy type zero. Oh, that's interesting that's like 835 pages i think interesting it, well but yeah, uh type zero has an interesting history so it that does kind of makes sense but uh kingdom hearts 3 is actually tied with for fourth place with final fantasy 10 2 oh interesting but yeah for for kingdom hearts i think it beats out is it Kingdom Hearts 2? Yes. I know it beats out one of them by one page. Yeah, it's Kingdom Hearts 2, I believe. Okay, so this is on par with Kingdom Hearts 2, so that's great. So we'll be getting into this. Now, if you don't know, that means this is going to be a spoiler cast. So uh, for the remainder of this episode, starting now, this is a spoiler okay zone. So if you are not okay with Kingdom Hearts 3 spoilers, and we're talking about everything, 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 because we're talking about from the beginning of Kingdom Hearts to all the content that is in Kingdom Hearts 3 to stuff that will come after. So just to be very clear about the type of content we're going to be discussing, I want you to know that there, there are spoilers abound throughout this. So if you're not finished with Kingdom Hearts 3, if you've not seen absolutely everything in the game, uh, I'm going to say the name of something that you might want to also refer to if you have not seen all the secret reports. You are not done with Kingdom Hearts 3. I want you to go do your homework and go finish Kingdom Hearts 3 and then come back. Because I know for a lot of people, they unlock the secret movie and they think that's it. Oh, no, no. There's other stuff in there. So if you don't, if you have not seen everything, go out there, see everything, and come back. Unless you're, you know, just in general okay with spoilers. In that case, welcome, my friend. 
after that, we will have our second segment, which is our, our question, question segment in the way of announcements. For those of you that regularly follow Kingdom Hearts Union, you'll know that we're currently in the middle of our Kingdom Hearts 3 review series. For this episode, we're going to skip out on that so we can talk about all the juicy Kingdom Hearts 3 Ultimania details. But we will be returning to that next episode with Monstropolis and Arendelle. So if you want to continue on with that, that'll be next episode. But if you're just joining us and you want to start from the beginning, start at episode 163. Uh, as always, if you guys like the show and want to support us, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. Our Patreon executive producers are as follows. We have Nahika Blaui, Chris Morales, Zach Duranto, who's at ZDuranto58 on Twitter, Michael Graham, Barry Norton, who's at Nortron0, Thorin Bullen, who's at Massacre23, Tori Patrick, Fayez, Fayez Bilal, Alex Ray Snyder, who's at Alex Ray Snyder on Twitter, Louis James, Rachel Casterton, who's at Orba Yoon Ray, Muhammad Koyam, Zelda Clone, who's at Apes Type Novels, and Churro, if you could take these last ones. We got Darren Matthews at Doomster73, Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J, Alex and Rachel Trotman at Akira Namejin, Keith Field at The Mighty Keith, Billy Jackson at underscore Billy Jackson, Miles Ribbons, Ishbel Ayila at Red Peppers, Rob Porter at Scortyberty1, David Calro, Tobias Cappy at The Tobias Cappy, Vita Nitas, and Janik Nuad at Janik Nuad. I'm sorry if I mispronounce your name. Yeah, but thank you for all your, for your support. We really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. And be a part of the show. Send us your questions to khuquestions at gmail.com. And the deep dive stream continues on at twitch.tv slash khunion. The next Kingdom Hearts 3 stream will be March 8th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. All right, so we're now moving on to our first segment, the Kingdom Hearts 3 spoiler Ultimania discussion. Which, may may I remind you guys, there's a bunch of spoilers in here. So for real, if you're not interested in spoilers, get out now. I'm serious. You know, press stop. So I'm assuming that everybody here is all okay with spoilers. Assuming that, let us get on. So, wow, Churro. Have you been feeling seeing all this stuff? Um, It feels like, you know, back in the old days where we had nothing to yeah. go on. And then Ultimania comes out and, you know, everybody's Just, all happy. Bam. It's it's just, a, it's just like a truckload of like exactly information, you know, behind the scenes, new, you know, stuff to discuss. And it's really yeah. interesting. And I, and I, I love the Ultimanias because like I said, that's why I always call it a Bible because you learn so much about yeah, the game. So much. Exactly. And the, the other thing about that is that, and something that I'm appreciating now is that it's really interesting to see some of the newer fans that have never experienced because like we've been waiting for Kingdom Hearts three for so long, so it, it's definitely possible that there's a lot of new fans out there that haven't experienced like the quote unquote hype cycle for Kingdom Hearts games and how they tend to work. Like, and, and, you know, they they may have never known what an Ultimania is and what that's all about and what that means for the series. That you know, this is our chance to go in depth on the game that came out, but not only that, but also to look forward to the future. So I'm really excited that a lot of new fans are actually able to, you know, to see this. So just as a primer, 
But throughout the Ultimania, there's lots of interviews. It's not just Tetsuya Nomura. There's interviews with a lot of the staff. We'll talk a little bit about that later, but obviously the most juicy interview is from the man himself, Tetsuya Nomura. It's at the end of the book. And he, he always does these for the Kingdom Hearts series. We'll have a he'll have an interview there and uh, it usually gets into some very juicy topics, things that might be like things that need more clarification. And, you know, they're, they're, the Ultimania staff are always really good to press him to get information about the future of the series. And, yeah, that's what we're going to talk about. So before we get things underway, I just want to say a few things about the nature of this translation. I do own a copy of uh, the Kingdom Hearts 3 Ultimania myself. I bought it myself. It was not sent to me. I did the translation myself uh, to comment on my own personal assessment of the difficulty of the interview. I'd say the grammar and vocabulary isn't that bad. I would say the most of the difficulty comes from interpreting the way in which Nomura words things. He's intentionally being vague here. Uh, so I would say in terms of the raw facts that I'm presenting in the translation, I stand by those. I think those are fine. That said, as I alluded to before, the way in which I interpret his words and his manner of speaking is, of course, just my interpretation. So yeah, in some cases, there's going to be a few things that are a little bit different than the specific wording he used maybe in the Japanese, but it's all in service of trying to make sure that we're capturing the specific intention behind the words. Uh, over the course of the next few weeks, there's going to be other translations that are that will be posted. So definitely go there, read those translations, and test it against my translation. See how it stacks up. See which one you like the best. So without further ado, we'll be reading the interview. We're going to start with stuff that relates to the future of Kingdom Hearts. Uh, there's going to be two questions that we're going to talk about here that relate to the future. There's going to be one about DLC, and then there's one about, like, upcoming projects for Kingdom Hearts. So we're going to start with the DLC one. So with regards to DLC, here's what Nomura has to say. Currently, the staff is coming up with a list of battles they want to do. As for story DLC, with regards to the Keyblade Graveyard, I'd said in the past that it was intentionally released in its current iteration, but now I think it's going to be the main subject of the DLC. Yeah, in the, in the actual interview, he just said main, like min. In Japanese, main kind of, if you just say main, like in English, which is what he said, uh, kind of means like main course, as in like food. So, yeah, when he says main here, it means like it's the main subject of what the DLC is going to be, be about. It's be the main course of it. Uh, moving on from there, I want to release it as fast as possible, but since I'm working on the DLC in tandem with preparing for the next project, I can't give you a release window. As of right now, the plan is to release several DLC in one big pack. So with regards to potentially doing a Kingdom Hearts 3 final mix, uh, basically Tetsuya Nomura says, I wouldn't mind doing a final mix release at some point, and if we do do something like that, I'd like to make an English mode available via DLC. So for those of you that don't know, like usually with these uh, final mix releases, at least in the past, uh, they, they would only release in Japan, and then kind of the tradition for them would be that they'd release it again with all the English voices because so this is kind of a Japanese thing but like in Japan movies tend to release in two different formats there's one that'll be like a Japanese dub and then they'll also have 
the same movie but releasing in its original language and subtitles so they'll like they're they they will play in different like theaters not not in different like so when i say theaters i don't mean like the cinema like the movie theater but like in the movie theater one room will have it in the japanese dub and then the other room will have it with the you know the english the original language version with japanese subtitles so for a lot of japanese people like that's how they experience the disney movies in the first place so like yeah this is like for those people that want to experience it the way they originally remember it with the english voices so they've always done that now this is not commenting on the possibility that we might get a japanese uh voice pack but you know i'm just giving it to you how, how it is in the interview uh, moving on from there, he goes on to talk about critical mode, and basically that he says that we set the difficulty relatively low this time out, out of consideration for the tendencies of current players. But since we received so many requests to fight stronger enemies, we, rele- we will release critical mode as free DLC, which I think when he's talking about uh, tendencies of players, I think he means like, people aren't finishing games because they're too hard i don't know well anyway moving on and then uh yeah he also states that he wants to include strong enemies like we've included in past final mixes in the paid dlc pack so we've got things like critical mode which is free english mode which uh he didn't say whether or not that would be free and we've got the uh, extra bosses, strong enemies in the paid DLC pack, which is pretty typical for, you know, your typical like final mix style release. So as far as I can see here, like it mostly seems like we, you know, as far as DLC goes, it sounds like we're getting the stuff we usually get in a final mix. Like that's yeah, pretty much that's, that's pretty much what it is. You know, some story content, extra bosses you know, extra battles, critical mode, you know. I mean, did we did we expect anything less than that? Exactly. Did we expect anything less? I'll just also say, by the way, not in the not in the interview, but uh some other things that we've gotten in prior DLCs were extra an extra secret movie. Like that's another possibility. So, you know, Nomura did not say that in the in the interview and, you know, we'll have to see how it goes, but, you know, from what it's shaping up to be, it looks like the kind of stuff we're getting in our DLC packs is the kind of stuff we've always gotten. So that's really exciting because, you know, I'm sure you can agree, Churro, like as, you know, additional content goes, like post-release content goes, like final mixes have been some of the best that, you know, I've ever seen in video games. Like that, that to me is like the gold standard for the kind of content that I want after release you know, and I, I'm always happy when a final mix comes out. So how do you feel about this kind of content, Juro? I mean, I'm all for it. I mean, basically it sounds like your typical DLC for a, you know, single player game. Exactly. I mean, it's always, I mean, remember how we, how it used to be where we had to rebuy the game. Yeah, exactly. That was rough. For this content. And now it's like, you know, you could just um, keep, keep the main game in just by the DLC. Yep, and like, how much do you think the DLC pack is going to be cost? That that is interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I I definitely wonder. It seems very extensive. I wouldn't be surprised if like maybe you know twenty bucks 
That's that's what I was gonna say. I was gonna be like, it's it's got to be at least twenty bucks. That's what I'm thinking. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did a you know an additional release of the game that might be you know thirty to forty dollars. You know, kind of like be surprised. Kind of like I mean, the royal did, edition of uh, Final exactly. Fantasy Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So yeah, I kind of expect that sort of a thing to happen at some point. But uh, yeah, I guess we'll have to see going forward. But yeah, like overall, I'm really excited about this. Um, I have seen a, a bit of a few people being a little bit salty, we'll, we'll say, about the concept of the paid DLC. But you know, just to me as a Kingdom Hearts fan, a longtime Kingdom Hearts fan, I'm just so excited that for once we had the option of getting you know this DLC stuff over here. Like that's awesome to me because like in the past we used to get this stuff as extra content and we used to have to rebuy the game and then for us in the west what we had to do is import that from japan and it would be really expensive like back in the day i paid like you know almost 90 dollars to get kingdom hearts one final mix like it was expensive because you have to buy it and it would and on top of that it's a physical release so not only are you buying it but you have to get it shipped from uh you know if you're getting it from Play Asia it would be from Hong Kong or you're getting it from Japan directly and like you know shipping is expensive on that. So for me as a longtime Kingdom Hearts fan, I'm sure you agree the same uh, as me like this is so much nicer than what we had in the past. Like I mean I'll take this any day but you know exactly. I do miss the whole importing from japan type yeah. of deal but at the same time it's like i mean if you I mean, want back to then, you, you can still do it Jerome, if you really want to i mean the only difference is is that you know back then you know i was barely you know leaving high school and starting yeah. a job now it's like you know i'm almost in my mid-30s and it's exactly. like i already have a job that pays well so it's like i can do it if i want to now yeah if you want to you absolutely can so yeah that's interesting so I'm excited for it. Now, people uh, complaining about uh, story content. I want to talk a little bit about that. Um, I think this is also evidence of people never uh, playing a Kingdom Hearts game. Like, uh, there's, a, I've seen a lot of people being like, Kingdom Hearts 3 is incomplete and like whining about that stuff. I don't think the, the people that have that are saying that have played the vanilla version of Kingdom Hearts 2. I don't think they realize how much content wasn't in Kingdom Hearts 2. And, and, let me go further with that. I mean, I definitely know most of them haven't played the original Japanese release of Kingdom Hearts 1. Because there's a lot of content that, you know, we take for granted here in the West. But if you really think about it, the original English release of Kingdom Hearts 1 is almost like a final mix. Because here's here's the kind of content that was not in the original release of, of Kingdom Hearts in, in, the, in Japan. Because, you know, there was a six-month gap, roughly, between the release of Kingdom Hearts 1 in Japan and the release of Kingdom Hearts 1 in uh, in America, uh, in, well, in English. So we're talking Sephiroth, we're talking Ice Titan, uh, we're talking The Phantom, Kurt Zisa, we're talking Another Side, Another Story, you know, A Secret Ending. So, like, all of that was not in the game. So you know and then in kingdom hearts 2 like there was a ton not in the game all of the data organization battles are new uh the birth by sleep secret ending lingering will uh the roxas boss fight that is a part of the main story the music for uh the roxas boss fight uh if you look at um nightmare before christmas 
when you go to the Christmas Town area, Sora and Do- Sora, Donald, and Goofy got a new costume to match that area and new music. In the original release of that, when they went to Christmas Town, it was still playing the Halloween Town music, and he was still in his Halloween costume. So it's like there's a lot of stuff that was missing out of Kingdom Hearts 2 in its original release. So like it's just a reality that you know people are saying like Kingdom Hearts 3 is incomplete. Let me tell you, there has never been a Kingdom Hearts game that released that wasn't incomplete. They're always like this. This is normal. I know. Like it's it's weird to see the the community react like that. It's like well, back in my day, you know <laughs> exactly. You know, we Back had, in my you know, day, we didn't even get a Roxas fight. I mean, come on. We all we got was a, a, a cutscene. You, you know, then and then we had, then, you know, then we had, you know, we didn't we didn't have the Examinus uh, fight from Kingdom Hearts 1 Final Mix. You know, yep, we, didn't we didn't have, have the keyblade, extra keyblades. We, we didn't have, have extra the extra cutscenes they added. We didn't in the have Final Mix. deep dive. My favorite thing in the universe. We didn't even have deep dive. So yeah, you know, it's this is just a normal process for vanilla Kingdom Hearts games. You exactly. Know, it's, There's always stuff because you know, as we know with Tetsuya Nomura, he you know this kind of game, you know he it's it's very much unlike what we got with Final Fantasy 15, where Final Fantasy 15 was more egalitarian, designed by committee. You know, I'm not saying that's a bad thing or a good thing or whatever. It's just the reality of it, where you know a lot of staff feedback you know, contributed to the vision of the game. And in that case, you know, it is a little bit, you know, hodgepodge in how it is. And the direction is not as clear, but with, with Tetsuya Nomura, he's the like all knowing, all powerful director. He is quote unquote, the master of masters. So he does his best to make sure all the stuff he wants to get in the game gets in the game. And sometimes, or not sometimes, always there's stuff that, you know, for budget reasons or just time reasons, scheduling reasons, whatever, it just doesn't make the cut or he can't, you know, realize it in the way that he envisioned it. And that's why he started doing these final mixes in the first place is so that he can go back and uh, get a second chance and doing things more close to the original vision he had. So that's, that's the point of final mix. So you know, it's just it's just part of the realities of production. If you don't want to buy it, you don't have to. It's optional. But you know, if you want a more closer uh, thing to Nomura's vision of what he wanted Kingdom Hearts three to be, then you can get the DLC pack. Like, and it's not just Nomura. There's all kinds of directors that do this. You know, how many movies get director's cuts or you know original uh, you know different versions of it? Look at Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Blade Runner has had like probably five different DVD and Blu-ray releases and they all have different versions on them. So it's like they keep recutting that movie and adding in random deleted scenes and look at star Wars and like, look at Lord of the Rings, you know, the the original uncuts are like six, seven hours long. (laughs) That, that one's the, that one's a real crazy one that I didn't really like really understand in the beginning, but yeah, the whole deal with the Lord of the Rings, wasn't it that Peter Jackson, he just like filmed all those movies like back to back to back. And he just filmed so much content and he thought he would just cut it, cut it down later. And then turns out people wanted that. And then he, he put it back in the movie in the director's cuts. Like that's, that's some crazy stuff. At least Namor isn't like that. So yeah, so that's, that's, uh, you know, that that's the long and the short of it. My spiel on that. So, all right. So now we're going to talk about the future of the Kingdom Hearts series. And there's some big stuff. 
particularly about a particular numbered title, one that he name drops. Oh my goodness. So, uh, here's what Nomura has to say. Since it hasn't been confirmed as an official title yet, I can't say anything, but we're currently play- we're currently preparing a large update for Union Cross as well as Kingdom Hearts 3 DLC. As for further development, I have two concepts in mind. I also have another thing that I have to think about separately, but for now, I'll stick to just the two concepts. Also, if we make a Kingdom Hearts 4... There's a lot I have to draw before that, so we're considering developing one project in between. To all the Kingdom Hearts fans, I look forward to stepping beyond the Dark Seeker saga with you. I hope you'll cheer us on. So that is quite a bit. What I thought was really interesting was that he said, right in the interview, straight up, he said Kingdom Hearts 4. He said K-H-I-V. It was right in there, word for word. When I initially was getting uh, information from Aibo, uh, who's a Japanese, uh, you know, Japanese Twitter personality that will, uh, you know, cover the news uh, like we do, uh, you know, she sent me the information and she wrote in there Kingdom Hearts 4 and I had to like do a double take. Did he really say Kingdom Hearts 4 in the, did he name drop Kingdom Hearts 4 for real in the interview? I can tell you straight up when I opened it today, I was like, well, dang it. By golly, he did say Kingdom Hearts 4. He did say that. And specifically, this is the first time that I've seen Kingdom Hearts 4 referred to with Roman numerals. So it's K-H-I-V. But why, why, but why would you say K-H-I-V? I, so the reason I'm saying K-H-I-V is because that's what it's listed as here in the book. It, like they, when they refer to it right in the book, in, in, in uh, Roman letters, that is to say English letters, it says in quotes, K-H-I-V. I'm looking at it right now. They wrote it there. So that's why. So I'm going to say going forward, I'm all for Kingdom Hearts numeral four, like Arabic numeral four. Or they can go, you know, the Black Ops style. Oh, <laughs> yeah. One, 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 one. Uh, yeah, that's, oh, man. That'd be crazy. So, or K K H. they could do K-H space I-V. That would be fine. Or age dude number four. Number four. Kingdom Hearts Intravenous IV. That that kind of IV. Put it in my veins, Kingdom Hearts. So, so he did name drop Kingdom Hearts 4, but I will say he was very standoffish about it. Because he basically said, also, if we make Kingdom Hearts 4, there's a lot of stuff that I have to draw before that. So we're considering develop one developing one project between. I thought it was funny because like when we think of Tetsuya Nomura, we don't think about his day-to-day job and his day-to-day job is he's an artist. He draws stuff and he straight up was like saying in there that, oh yeah, I got to do, there's a lot of stuff I got to draw. So yeah, in Japanese, there's actually two verbs that are both written as kaku, but they both use two different kanji. So it basically had, it sounds the same, but has a different meaning. So it's like a, a what is that? Homonym. So there's a kaku that means right, but in this one specifically, they use the 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 word that means to draw. So yeah, I, I don't know. To me, I thought it was funny just because I, I, I forget, like, Tetsuya Nomura. Yeah, his day-to-day job is he just is up there in his office, and he's the mastermind, and there he is doodling away at all the stuff that will uh, influence the future of the series. And, you know, I'm sure, you know, characters and locations and story ideas. So I think that's cool. I'm sure he also is writing, by the way. 
because sometimes it's faster to write stuff than it is to draw stuff. But yeah, he used that kanji. So I will too when I translate it. And then, yeah, uh, to all the Kingdom Hearts fans, yeah, he's excited and wants to, you know, move on from the Dark Seeker saga. And I think we can all agree with that sentiment. We've been in the Dark Seeker saga for literally all of this time. There's never been a time when we were not in the Dark Seeker saga. So it's exciting to finally move, move past that. So, uh, Churro, is there anything in particular that you're excited about for the potential? future of the series uh how about you know with with regards to the project that is supposedly you know gonna come in between you know this game and the next as long as we get something new as long as we get to see what happens next i'm all for it i don't have any i don't have a specific you know yeah desire mind frame of what to expect it's supposed to be like long as we get mm-hmm. you know some continuation in some shape or form doesn't yeah. matter if it's a, a game on the switch a yeah. youtube video <laughs> or yeah. you know hell it could be even something in union cross you know i'd still be True. fine with that yeah that <laughs> is a good point yeah that that is one thing that i will uh just want to i just want to clarify and you know good point that you bring up is that the way that he referred to this project is he called it, you know, the next work. He didn't say next game. He said the next work. And the whole point of him talking about that, you know, there's a lot of stuff I have to draw before that. The reason he's talking about that, or the, the the reason he's uh, inferring that is because for a quote unquote Kingdom Hearts 4, there's a lot that he wants to set up first. You know, he, he wants to set up that game you know, set up the underlying thing because, you know, you know, we we all got the same complaints. Remember back in, you know, with Kingdom Hearts 2, people were complaining that there was too much setup in the beginning of Kingdom Hearts 2, you know, with all of the Roxas stuff. And with Kingdom Hearts 3, he took that feedback to heart and he decided to have an intro that gets more to the point a lot quicker. The well the reason he was able to do that was because he he released so many games prior to that to set up the conflict. So that's what I, that's what I take from this is that whatever the work is, whether it's a game or a book or a manga or a movie or whatever, whatever it is, it's all in service of setting up Kingdom Hearts 4 and allowing us to get get straight to the punch a lot quicker. So in that respect, I, I'm in with it. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm with you, Churro. I'm on this crazy roller coaster ride with you. Wherever Nomura wants to go, I'm really interested to see where this all leads us. So I, I think all of that is really exciting to me. So moving on from there, uh, uh, kind of an interesting tidbit. This comes from the beginning of the interview. Uh, Utada Hikoru actually came to Nomura directly to suggest the the concept of doing two theme songs for Kingdom Hearts 3 instead of just rearranging Chikai slash Don't Think Twice. And Nomura says that you can think the outpouring of messages from fans to Otada Hikaru for, for, you know, being able to do this. And Churro, we were talking before that like the timeline, as far as we know it is that. So Skrillex and Utada were at a, it was a concert was a, fe- a festival together. It was like a festival. Yeah. Um, basically uh, Skrillex was there. Uh, and then he got wind that Utada was there. Mm-hmm. He approached her, you know, wanted, you know, wanted to collaborate yeah and 
basically, I guess they, after the, you know, festival, they kind of talked about wanting to remix, you know, Don't Think Twice or, you know, Chikai. Yeah. And I guess it didn't work. So Skrillex, you know, just said, let's just make a new song. Exactly. Which makes sense because, like, you know, Chikai and Don't Think Twice, they're very solemn songs. And to do a really hype version of that, doesn't really make sense like it's a solemn song there's really no two ways about it so uh yeah starting from scratch and doing a brand new song from the get-go gives them a lot more freedom and it's not that face my fears is necessarily a happy song it's it's not but it is a hype song and it's a different more powerful version of the same kind of like dark sad emotion it's like we're dealing with stuff we've got all these fears that we're dealing with but it's time to face the fears and that's like a more hype version of that whereas don't think twice is kind of like that's the song you play after you got broke broken up with that's your breakup song you know that's not uh that's not how you want to start the game for sure that's uh not not the right fit so uh yeah so then yeah after Skrillex and Utada you know had you know talked about that then uh according to Tetsuya Nomura that's when Utada Hikaru went to Nomura directly and made the suggestion that he wanted to that she wanted to do two theme songs for Kingdom Hearts 3 and you know considering you know the fa- the fan outpouring of all the support for for Utada Hikaru you know that kind of like spurred her on even harder that like yeah we got to do this right like there's a lot of fans waiting for this game we need to make sure that we you know do it the right way and do it the best way so since don't think twice in chikai it just really wouldn't work for a really hype song let's instead do a brand new song and that's that's super awesome so uh yeah moving on from there we're gonna go talk about some more juicy stuff we're gonna talk about stuff from the secret movie oh boy and does it get spicy so uh yeah so for those of you who have seen it i'm assuming all of you have you know we've we got the uh yozora secret ending where you know sora and riku show up in kind of like a shibuya like area there's a lot of crazy illusions a lot of interesting music playing really crazy stuff and then bam right at the end we get to see yozora you know the guy from verum rex and then uh confirm master of masters uh doing the heart shape at the moon so a lot of cool stuff so i want to read uh what namora had to say about the secret movie so uh, uh basically the interviewer first asked so is this the world ends with you world in the secret movie and then namora says it may look that way but rather than going to uh the world ends with you world there's meaning in them going to a fictional shibuya rather than a real world shibuya which this one, this was a really interesting way that he wrote it. So in the interview, the way that he wrote this was, and this is something that wouldn't even work in average day-to-day speech, which makes me think this interview was conducted via email, which which would make sense. He's a busy guy. Because the way it was written is really interesting. And, you know, if you, if you get the Ultimania, you can look at it. So when he referred to the fictional Shibuya, he wrote Shibuya in in katakana, Shibuya, Shibuya. He wrote it that way. But when he referred to real word Shibuya, he wrote it in kanji, which is the real way to write Shibuya as in like the real world place Shibuya. 
So this is more the way that I translated it. So you can look at other people's translations if you want to get a, a you know a different perspective on it. But the way that it comes off as shibuya, you know, writing that out as katakana, katakana is used. It's a whole alphabet that is used for words and uh, you know names and things like that that are foreign, things that are outside of Japan. Whereas things written in kanji are things inside of Japan, things that are real, that are here in Japan. So that's why uh, most people, and myself included, are translating this as... So it's not that... He, so he's definitely not in uh, the real world Shibuya. He, he made specifically... He, he, made, he specifically stated it's not kanji Shibuya. He's in quote-unquote Shibuya. <laughs> like, that's that's how that's how I would say it. He's in Shibuya rather than Shibuya. And he also said that even though, yeah, Sora promised to Neku and his friends that he he would meet them in Shibuya again, uh, he said that what we're seeing in this movie is not related to that, which I know breaks a lot of fans' hearts, but I can, I can only be the messenger. That's what he said. I, I'm just surprised. Why would you go to Shibuya again? after having set up that whole conversation and not have Neku there. So moving. I, I yeah. mean, it's, it's just, I don't know. It's just, does Namora even know what he's doing anymore? I know it's crazy, but I mean, <laughs> that's, 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 that's one of the things that I'm like, it seems like such a great opportunity, but I think going in uh, further into the interview, it, it, you, you can kind of get a little bit of a hint as to why, because it definitely seems like with whatever he whatever he plans with this world, it definitely seems like he's got some really big ideas and big plans. And I guess, you know, if this was also going to be a, a the world ends with you world, it would kind of maybe distract away from the importance of this world to him. So I can understand that a, a little bit, you know, but. You know, as as an outsider, you know we're we're outsiders, we're we're fans, and you know we've been see- playing this series this whole time. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely a, a harder pill to swallow for us because it's like we never in a million years would imagined no- Sora would ever go to a real world location like Shibuya. Well, it, it's not real world Shibuya, but it's obviously inspired by the the real world location we would never would would have imagined that he would go to a place like this and when when sora and neku when sora said to neku like uh, you know i'd like to see you sometimes and then uh neku says see you in shibuya when we heard that we kind of took like i know for me i don't know about you for you churro but i almost took it for granted and thought like like remember pokemon every time ash has one of his episodes he'll go to a new town a town that didn't even exist in the game kind of like this is filler town number 10 and he meets a character there and they have a little adventure in that episode and at the end of the episode he's like see you again i can't wait to meet you again bye and then they never cover that character again that character is dead deleted from pokemon that that will never be come back to and in 99.999% of the time in Pokemon, that is true. And that's kind of how I took it. It's, it's, it's kind of like your, they, they call it in the, in the abridged versions, forgettable uh-huh. anime villains. Yes. Yes. It's that. Or like in Naruto, like 
anytime like there's a filler filler arc that's what it felt like to me i'm not i'm not saying the twee characters are filler i know they're canon but I, i'm just saying like 2012 brandon up until now sort of took that scene as oh you know this is just a nice sentimental situation and i didn't like i thought maybe they would see each other again but i didn't think it would actually be in shibuya i thought like oh maybe like if they see each other again maybe like uh somehow neku gets transported again back into the kingdom hearts world and maybe we'll see him again like that but i i never expected in a million years that sora would go to a place where they actually seriously stand a chance to meet each other like this is the closest that it's ever been so hearing straight from Nomura, like nope i i know it looks this way and i know i named the 104 building or the 109 building in shibuya i know i changed it to 104 you know just like it is in the world ends with you i know i did that but nope it's <laughs> just like come on what are you doing man like i i i'm, I'm not angry i'm just saying what's going on here or, or as Reggie Reggie Fizami would say, "What's wrong with you? Also, what is wrong with you? What's I wrong with that guy? <laughs> I miss that guy. Also, sh- shout out to Reggie. You know, c- congrats on retirement. You know, we really appreciate all that you have ever done. So, anyway, moving on. So, um, next question from the interview. I I I thought this one was really funny because of how frank it was. So the interview was like, so that guy in the secret ending is that Yozora from the Verum Rex game in to- in the toy box world? And Nomura's just like, yep, that's him. He's Yozora. Just like really <laughs> it's frank like, it's like, to the point. It's like really get the obvious stuff out of the way. Yeah, it's just like, uh, well, I'm I'm glad he wasn't like because throughout most of him talking about this secret movie it is a lot of cagey stuff so it's really nice to have him be very upfront with that answer so he's like is that guy yozora and then he says eh kare wa yozora desu that's like the most literal zero emotion way you could say that it's literally yes he is yozora period the end that is the literal translation of that which is like dang homeboy dropping the mic so really appreciate that uh so moving on from there so here's where we're gonna get into some spicy stuff uh they basically just ask him point blank so so is it the the world ends with you world and then he's like no it's not so now okay so so it's not the world ends with you world is it a verum rex world and then he's like yes that's what it'll be and i'm thinking of I'm thinking going based on the visuals, people will probably think that it's the same as an older title I was planning, but I can tell you it's not the same. So I'll just give you a couple translator notes, some Brandon notes on wh- how he was wording this. So he basically w- was saying that they're not equal. Uh, I wanted to, in my translation, I wanted to use the word equivalent because that's a little bit closer to the word equal. But again, shout out to t- Twitter word limits. <laughs> 280 characters is not enough. So yeah, so I-, I guess a more accurate translation as in, you know, not saying the same is those worlds are not equivalent. So that is to say, Verum Rex is not versus 13. It's not. This is, Verum Rex is Verum Rex. But he does go on to say 
there is an unexplored project that I've got burning up inside me. He literally used the word I, I put in burning up. It, it was more like there's something heating up inside me. He said like atatameru, which means to heat up. Also, if you ever go to Japan and you ever go and buy a bento at a konbini, like a convenience store, and you give it to the person and they say atatamemasu ka? That means, do you want us to heat up the food for you? As in, like, they're going to take the bento and put it in the microwave to heat it up for you. That That's Brandon's Japanese tip. I That is Japanese I use every single day. A lot of the food I eat is just bento from the convenience store. Don't at me, bro. Anyway, so, yeah. So he's got a project, an unexplored project burning up inside him. And there might be some overlap. So there, So here's where he's saying that it's not the same world. It's not versus 13. But yes, there will be some overlap with that concept. But Verum Rex is a totally different thing. And no one knows what's in store for that. Verum Rex doesn't exist yet at all. So all I can say is it's something different. And he says it's uh, chigai mono, which means different thing. It's a different thing. So despite everybody's guesses, even my own, I, I thought this is... You know, this is his chance to do versus 13, but I think, I guess a more realistic exp- expectation of this is, you know, Tetsuya Nomura was kind of burned in, in the whole Final Fantasy 15 versus 13 debacle and all of that. And I guess this is a chance for him to explore some of those ideas, but just in, in reality and just in life, you know, you got to kind of, you know, he, he grows, he's growing as a person and I don't think he wants to do that project exactly, especially since, you know, a different team already did something with it, you know? So I think what he wants to do is take some, you know, clearly he's taking some of those ideas and he even says it in the interview that there will be some overlap with that idea or the idea of that project. But more or less, this is an opportunity for him to take that concept in a different direction. And obviously it would have to be because it's in Kingdom Hearts and you're going to have Sora and Riku. So yeah, it's it's going to go in a different direction. But, you know, yes, you know, it, I, I see a lot of people saying on Twitter, especially in reaction to these uh, tweets about this, that, you know, people are thinking that Nomura is outright saying, this isn't versus 13. He's not necessarily saying that. Well, he's saying, he's saying this is Verum Rex. And I think some of, some people are taking that to mean that there is no ties to versus 13. There will be. And he's, he's clear that there are ties to a previous project that he was planning, but he wants to be very clear that it is mostly a new thing. This is a new idea, a new direction, something different. So, you know, he, he, what he wants, he, what he wants most people to do is to throw out your misconceptions. Cause this is mostly going to be a new thing. And he wants to do something brand new, you know, some in a, in a project where he can control it, however he wants to take it in the direction he wants to and make it his own again. So, you know, don't, don't go in expecting this to be versus 13. Cause it's not. So, uh, Churro, how do you feel about Nomura basically saying it's not versus 13, but it's Verum Rex? So just deal with it. I mean, uh, we, we don't exactly know what the circumstances that came about with the whole versus 13 fiasco. Yeah, we don't. But, you know, I'm sure Nomura was heartbroken because he was really 
he really wanted Dinoverses to be, you know, a reality. Exactly. You know? And it always seemed like that that was his dream game. Like, yeah. he'd, like he'd always dreamed of making a Final Fantasy and he was going to make it the way he wanted to make it. So, But then, like, and then, you know, him being removed off the project was, like, you know, you know. It's like, hard. It's hard. It's hard to take, you know, such a heartbreak like that. And I guess, you know, all the ideas that he probably had for it was you know, it's going right into Van Rex. Van Rex is more like kind of like a quote unquote redemption story for it. Exactly. And like, it's also very clear that, you know, straight up the character's name is Yozora and that means night sky, just like Noctis. Me, Noctis Lucius Kyla means night sky. So obviously it is a callback to that. And, it, you know, if you watch the secret ending, it's got, you know, a lot of callbacks to, different things in Tetsuya Nomura's past. I I, I tweeted uh, out about it in, uh, you know, a little bit before the Ultimania stuff came out, but, you know, my personal take and my personal theory is that, you know, throughout Tetsuya Nomura's time at Square Enix or Squaresoft, he's had ideas for his dream game for an idea of something that he's always wanted to make. And, uh, you know, to me, it's always seemed like, He's had this idea, he's had this vision, but he's just not been able to get it realized. I think the first time we saw a glimpse of it is with Deep Dive. And I'm not just saying this because I'm a Deep Dive crazy fanatic. Okay, maybe a little bit, but... Yeah, you are. I am, I am. I'll, I'll just put that out there. But you can clearly see if you're looking at, you know, assuming Versus 13 was our first opportunity of seeing what his dream game would be if you compare versus 13 to uh another side another story deep dive you can clearly see that there's a lot of design motifs that they share and that's on purpose and you know it was clear that with kingdom hearts especially at that time you know we were talking before that you know it's it's unfortunate that you know it's it's it was definitely a lot more difficult back then to work with Disney at that time. So some of these ideas that Namor was having just couldn't be accomplished with Kingdom Hearts at that time, especially doing more serious things. So in that way, I feel like, and also he was on the PS2, so he's not going to be able to accomplish all the things that he wants to do. So in that way, I feel like he sort of stepped back a little bit from Kingdom Hearts 2 and using Kingdom Hearts 2 to accomplish this dream idea and then once he finished Kingdom Hearts 2, his next project was Versus 13. And then finally, he's not working with Disney. He's working straight with Square Enix. He's making a game, Final Fantasy, a, a Final Fantasy game, which, yeah, Final Fantasy games have certain conventions. But one of the biggest conventions of Final Fantasy is that all of them are different. So you can make it from scratch. So this was like his real first opportunity to just go all out and make something really original. And, you know, if you're going to have the opportunity to make an original game, why not your dream game, the thing that you've always been wanting to make? And I think when that was taken away from him, you know, that that's tough. That that that's heartbreaking, like you said, Chiro. And, you know, now that, you know, Kingdom Hearts is, you know, a lot more of a developed series and you know, it's, it's been known in the past, you know, speaking of the world ends with you, it's been known for harboring being the safe harbor for some games that are maybe in trouble. Like, you know, we go back to the world ends with you. Uh, the reason 
and it was pretty straightforward. Namora pretty much said it straight out. The reason he included those characters in Dream Drop Distance was to expose them to new eyes because he was afraid of that series dying. Because and not only that, you know, like I'm, a lot of fans called for, you know, a, been they've been asking for a sequel for exactly. so many years. Yeah, and here they brought out, you know the game on switch you know yep. an updated console yep exactly. but unfortunately it it the sales weren't really great you know yeah. and Nomura stated that you know when the game was released in japan mm-hmm. on the switch that you know if you want a sequel then you know you better buy is, this yeah. you better buy the game but it didn't so i guessing i'm guessing he's he saw the sales and it wasn't that great and now it's just yeah. kind of like you know all these titles and ideas he had is you know kingdom Hearts is going to be the one that is going to hold them all exactly and it, it's kind of like it's it it's very symbolic that you know so in kingdom hearts what world do the world ends with you characters go to they go to traverse town what's the purpose of traverse town it's for the all in the in the kingdom hearts lore the purpose of traverse town is when you lose your world to darkness when your world dies that's where lost hearts go to find safe harbor you know you know lost people go there to traverse town that's why they ended up there like that that imagery is serious like there's a lot there and that's what it was for and i feel like in that same way and and it kind of goes both ways with sora because you know at the end of kingdom hearts sora quote-unquote dies or fades from that world line fades from the main world from there so sora finds safe harbor in verum rex in that world but in another way it's kind of like this is Namora's idea his baby that he that he'd been thinking about for so long and it's finding safe harbor in kingdom hearts so you know there's give and take here so i i think it's interesting i'm excited to see where it goes and i'm not sad by it not being versus 13 at the end of the day it's fiction you know, fiction changes, and especially like it. You know, given all this time that Namora's had to think about his idea, of course it's going to change. Of course, it's not going to be exactly what was in Versus Thirteen or what was going to be in Versus Thirteen. At the end of the day, Versus Thirteen was this is what my dream game would have been if I made it as a Final Fantasy game. Whereas I personally, how I see Verum Rex is this is how. Nomura's dream game would be if he made it as a world in Kingdom Hearts in a Kingdom Hearts context. So that's that's how I personally see it. That's you know, again, this is just my interpretation. We'll see how it goes. I'm personally excited because I've been waiting for so long for him to be able to finally get a lot of these ideas out that he's been, you know, toying with for many years. You know, I'm really excited, and I'm the one aspect of it that I'm most excited about is that he's doing it in Kingdom Hearts, which is a series he has so much control over. So there's really not, you know, that worry that we had with the Final Fantasy series, where there's a lot riding on it. There's a lot of history, a lot of prestige. Like when it comes to Kingdom Hearts, yeah, it, it's it's got that. It's got all of those things: history, prestige, and all of that. But it's because of Tetsuya Nomura. So I don't think anybody is going to go to him on his project that he made. You know, Kingdom Hearts. He made it from scratch from the very beginning. I don't think anyone's going to go in and tell him no. He can't do something. So unless that, it's Disney, 
Unless it's Disney. You're right. That's the one that's the one place that can still do that. But I think the fact that we're waiting all of this time, like the the series is so old now, you know, it's 2019. It's almost a 17, 17 year old game. I think we've finally gotten through a lot of the growing pains. And I think Nomura's done crazier stuff than this. Well, maybe not crazier than this, but he's, we've been ramping up to something this crazy. So I think Disney is trusting in him enough. And I think Kingdom Hearts 3 in and of itself had a lot of crazy stuff. And hey, that thing sold 5 million copies already. So I don't think they have anything to worry about. I think at the very least, Disney is probably less worried. So I mean, they've always been less worried. I mean, look, look exactly. at what we discussed earlier today. Mm-hmm. No more had trouble getting Mickey Mouse. Oh, well, we we actually didn't get to that yet. <laughs> but oh. we'll get to that. You know what? We're done with Varum Rex. Let's get to that specifically. So speaking of what Shiro's talking about. Uh, so Lucasfilm and Marvel, the interview base, the interviewer basically asked about that. So here's what they had, uh, here's what Tetsuya Nomura had to say. So basically the interviewer was like, so Disney, the Disney group recently has acquired, you know, uh, so the Disney group owns Pixar and has, have recently acquired Marvel and, uh, Lucasfilm. So going based on that, do you think in the next work, that we'll be able to have worlds from those properties. And Tetsuya Nomura basically says, so yeah, they have, haven't they? However, when it comes to game contracts, they can be a lot more complicated as they're tied up in many companies. And there may be contracts already in place you know, for those particular titles. You know, uh, you know, with the examples uh, uh, given here with Marvel and uh, EA. Oh, by the way, I'm not reading right now. This this is my interpretation. <clears throat> so with the uh, examples that are given here by the interviewer, he's basically saying, you know, Lucasfilm, a.k.a. Star Wars, and then Marvel. You know, going based with Lucasfilm and the Star Wars properties, currently uh, EA has an exclusive contract for Star Wars games. You know, that, that's why we've been seeing things like Battlefront and Battlefront 2, all those things. And yeah, if you also look at a lot of the news, EA has been kind of spinning their wheels with Star Wars and has been screwing up pretty much every game they're releasing. And canceling projects left and right. Canceling projects left and right. Firing famous, uh, famous game writers saying they can't make this game because I don't know where to put in the loot boxes into your single player game and make this a cash cow. It's pretty bad. And it's so bad that it's Disney's gone public to be like, we're not so sure about this EA partnership. So it's bad, but whether or not it's bad does not change the fact that they don't have a contract. So that's like, even if Disney doesn't like it, even if Square doesn't like it, even if EA is like, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I don't know how to make this a cash grab. Even if it's all like that, discombobulated like that, a contract's a contract. And either, and I don't think Disney wants to buy out because I think if they wanted to buy out of the contract, I think they would have done it already. So that that's a can of worms and and churro did she say it wasn't like a 10-year contract or something like that like it's a long one i i I read it was like a 10-year contract i know like you said it's a long contract too but at the very least it's a long one you know it's and it's not up yet so it'll it'll be a while until star wars is you know up for grabs so to speak i'm hoping in the future and, and here's here's my hope churro is that i hope that disney 
retains the rights themselves, you know, maybe under, uh, you know, the Disney Interactive subsidiary, because that Disney Interactive does still exist. It's not really active. They're not making games anymore. But I hope that for the future, they keep the rights internal and they license it out on a case-by-case basis. That's what I'm hoping. Because I think it's my understanding that that's the case with how they're handling Marvel now. Uh, Because, for example, uh, on a particular case, Square Enix themselves have licensed out Marvel. Uh, They're making an Avengers game. And uh, in addition to that, we also had uh, Marvel Marvel versus Capcom Infinite. You know, that was licensed to Capcom. So I think that's probably a much better system because... You know, it seems it seems like as long as you're not stepping on any toes, it allows many different companies to have a chance at the at, at, at the rights to a particular thing. Uh, oh, yeah. And also Spider-Man. Sony Sony uh, just released uh, the Spider-Man game last year, and that's a Marvel property. So I definitely prefer that system a lot better. I hope Star Wars will get to that place at some point. So that Kingdom Hearts will have a chance. I think if they get it to that point in the future, then I feel like it's going to be a lot more likely that um, we could see a Star Wars thing. I think Marvel is definitely a bit more likely, uh, and you know we already had we already have a Marvel a Marvel world technically. You know we had Big Hero Six, and that's originally a Marvel property that got turned into a Disney movie. So that's really awesome. So uh, going on to the next part of the answer, which is what you were referring to, Churro, is that so having a con- so Nomura goes on to say having a contract with Disney doesn't mean you have access to everything. That is to say, you don't have access to all their assets. So in Kingdom Hearts One, for example, we had an issue putting Mickey into the game because another company was making a Mickey game at that time. But we were given the but after you know after finagling with Disney a little bit, uh, they were given the okay to show him in one scene, in silhouette and from far away. Now we had heard that before, but we didn't like we'd heard that it was a pretty tough fight for them to get Mickey in the game. We didn't know this part about it being also because a different game company had the rights. We as far as we knew, it was just that they weren't sure about Mickey being associated with a violent game like this, which I think is probably not untrue, but yeah, it's interesting that there was also this additional monkey wrench. There was another game in production. And I believe, uh, I think some people were saying like, Oh, it's Epic Mickey. No, not Epic Mickey. There was another one. There was like a, like Mickey's mansion or something like that. It was like a man. I, all I remember was he was in a mansion. It's like a platforming game. And yeah, I, I remember that game. It came, it came out, I think it came out around the same time as Kingdom Hearts 1, like 2002, 2001, around there. Like it was a very early PS2 game, that, that much I remember. So I think it was that one, and which makes sense because that would have been a separate talk with a separate company. And like back in that, back in those days, Disney was just licensing out their properties all around anyway. Like they constantly were making games. 
like back in the Sega Genesis Super Nintendo game days, they they had all the, all kinds of games for each of the movies. There was the Aladdin games for the Genesis made by Virgin, and then there was the Aladdin game made by Capcom on the SNES, and then there's the Goof Troop game and Donald Duck games and Lion King and Tarzan and like all kinds of games on those platforms. So that was really common. Oh yeah, and uh, Rare, Rare made uh, Mickey's Raceway, which was like a cart game for uh for the N64. So they were constantly licensing stuff out back then, Disney characters and things like that. So it makes sense that you know the uh, Nomura and his team are coming really late in the game, you know, we're making a PS2 Disney game now. Can we have Mickey? Sorry, Mickey's spoken for. <laughs> like he's a he's a popular character. So it's interesting. I, I I never even like made that connection before. So I'm I'm really glad. See, see, this is what is so nice about Ultimania's. You get this kind of stuff to come out because otherwise we would have never heard of this. So I love Ultimania's man. He's the best. Same here. He's the best. All right. So moving on, uh, there was another uh, little bit of tidbit. Uh, Final Fantasy characters couldn't be included due to the volume of the game. Specifically, there's just so many characters in this game specifically original characters but they did say they did end up uh actually modeling leon at some point but you know a character model doesn't necessarily mean that they were intending to put final fantasy characters in the game because making the character model that's just one part of the battle you got to make the character model. You got to texture the character model. You got to rig the character model for animation. You got to animate the character model. So they took a tiptoe in the direction of adding uh, Final Fantasy characters. And they tiptoed no further than one tiptoe. It, it sounds like that's something that was squashed pretty early in production. And uh, here's another interesting tidbit. Another one of those things that we wouldn't have like heard anywhere else, really. Just It came out randomly. This was a part of Tetsuya Nomura's interview. And basically, the interview asked, asked about specifically, so you know that character... In uh, Birth by Sleep Final Mix, you know, no heart. What what, what was that guy? Who who is he? And uh, yeah, Tetsuya Nomura straight straight up says that that guy is Master Xehanort. In that in that armor, he's no way, no way, Xehanort. I didn't know. Yeah, it was Xehanort. So basically, he says that uh, yeah, Aremo Master Xehanort this. So again, that very straight it's it's kind of the same way where he's like it's like very blunt that is the most literally literal way you can say it uh because death is literally like is so it's like you know in the case of uh he is yozora that's like the most blunt way you could say it and basically in in this one he's like oh yeah that that guy's that guy's master Xehanort too point blank very blunt and basically he said that uh that armor is his old armor and his current true armor is the one that we're seeing in the final battle of uh in Scala Archaelum he's got that like really satanic looking goat head on top of it and like it's like a really dark armor so that's his new quote-unquote true armor and uh so yeah that that explains that hey no heart we hadn't heard about him and i was kind of wondering if we'd see him in uh 
in in Kingdom Hearts three. But I guess hey, technically we've been seeing him in this whole time. It was just Master Zayn art. Who knew? So there's that. And then I wanted to get in real quick and talk about some of the other interviews that are in this book. So uh, I think I mentioned it before, but in the Ultimania, it's not just interviews with Tetsuya Nomura, even though that's obviously like the most interesting interview because, you know, it's the director he and he has the rights to say a lot more stuff than the other ones do. But uh, at some point, I do want to go more in depth into some of these interviews, but I did want to get into some of the juicier comments uh, from some of the staff here. So when doing these interviews in the Ultimania, uh, they tended to ask the staff members a lot of the same uh, question at the end. Basically, a lot of them were asked, so for the next work, uh, what would you like to do? So it's not so to be very clear. They did not say, what will you do? They were saying very clearly, what would you like to do? What do you want to do? That sort of a thing. So, you know, if you get the chance, you know, assuming you could do what you want to do, you not being the director and not having control over things, but if you had the ability to, what would you want to do? So just to be clear. So this first uh, response comes from Shibata Tomokazu, and he is a battle director and basically he was uh, asked you know uh, like i said you know what kind of stuff would you like to do in a future title and basically he was saying that uh he'd like to try a different kind of player action that we've never been able to do before and that was it it was very very vague i guess he's kind of on pins and needles because he's like uh am i allowed to say this so he's like very vague and like not surprising they do that every game but yeah just wants to explore future uh, player abilities. He specifically calls it player action in this uh, interview. Uh, the ne- this next one comes from Masaru Oka. And Masaru Oka, if you don't know, he's uh, uh, basically one of the main guys that helps with uh, the scenario. Uh, and not just scenario, but cutscenes. He's listed as the scenario and cutscene director. So he's like Tetsuya Nomura's right-hand man when it comes to story. Uh, and basically he said it here. He's like, so I said it in the Kingdom Hearts 3D Ultimania, and I'll say it again. Uh, I want the Kingdom Hearts series to continue its legacy of being a story-driven game. And I, I find it really comforting to hear that because, you know, you definitely see in other game series a tendency to go a little bit away from story and try to be more gameplay-focused and, you know, try to be less about linear narrative, which, like... I think that's all well and good and that's fine. Like those games should exist too. But I think when it comes to kingdom hearts, I agree with Masaru Oka. There's such a great legacy of having a story driven game, a plot driven game and a game series. And, you know, it's great to hear that the scenario guy is very adamant that, and you know, not just a scenario guy, scenario and cutscene director. He's Nomura's right hand man. When it comes to the story, like he is just straight up, I want this to keep going to being a story-driven game. So I'm glad, you know, he's being very adamant about that. Good to hear. And then the last comment that I want to talk about comes from Akama Yuki. And he is a, he's just listed as Mubi literally movie in here i think that means it's like uh he works on the uh cg cutscenes because uh they list that 
Uh, he's actually an employee of Visual Works, which if you know anything about Square Enix, Visual Works is their internal team that do all the CGI cutscenes in Square Enix, not just for Kingdom Hearts, but for Final Fantasy and smartphone games and various other projects at Square Enix. But, you know, he uh, specifically under his uh, credits, he has worked on Kingdom Hearts 2.8, Final Fantasy 7, Advent Children, uh... Let's see. Crisis Core, Final Fantasy 7, Final Fantasy 12, Final Fantasy 15, uh, Final Fantasy Type 0, Dissidia NT, Dragon Quest 11, and uh, Gunslinger Stratos 3. So he's worked on a lot of Square Enix titles. And um, I thought his answer was pretty interesting. So they asked him, same question, what would you like to do for a future title? And he 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 prefaces it, it specifically like this. So on a future title, if I can, he said, dekideba means like, if I can, if I'm capable of it, I would like to do all the cutscenes for the movies in, uh, for, for the world. Basically he wants to do all the world cutscenes in the game. So, you know, this being a guy for from visual works he's basically saying that he would like to if possible for a future title he'd like it if it was possible for visual works to handle all the cutscenes for the for the kingdom hearts 3 uh games but or, or for the future games and you know uh if you're playing through kingdom hearts 3 you will notice that there's a lot more uh fmv cutscenes throughout the the games you know you got pirates of the caribbean had that crazy finale cutscene you had an arendale you had the whole let it go cgi cutscene the the end the whole ending of arendale was cgi the ending of tangled was cgi like there's so much cgi throughout the game uh but he goes on to say that you know due to disk storage limitations like that would be very difficult but you know if possible he'd like to do a lot more well he he says specifically he'd like to do all of them if possible because you know obviously when you do it in CGI you're not as limited you could do it as crazy as you want look no further than the Verum Rex intro for Toy Story for Toy Box so that's really crazy so great to see so, uh, overall, that's been our uh, Kingdom Hearts Ultimania discussion for now. Uh, I'll just say, if you want any further information on Kingdom Hearts Ultimania that isn't already out there, just uh, send us a tweet on uh, Twitter, at Union if there's anything you want me to look for in the book, or if you want any particular clarification on anything, I'd be happy to you know, look into it for you. Just uh, send a tweet to at KHUnion. I'll be covering it there mostly. And I think, yeah, this has been a great discussion so far. So moving on to our question segment. Our question today comes from Derek Ira and they ask, oh wait, this is not Derek Ira. This comes from Ira, not Derek. Ira Allen. I, I, I just added it to the end of this guy's name who i guess the last guy that we answered a question from was ira okay so this question comes from ira and ira asks one thing that really stuck out to me in this game was how how much they talked about and were concerned with the world order a thing that hasn't really been mentioned since kingdom hearts one my brother and i thought that it was some crazy foreshadowing but nothing really came of it no Kingdom Hearts 1 Triton berating Sora or anything. 
What do you think of how much they talked about it, uh, talked about the world order again, and then nothing really happening of it? Or did something happen and I'm just not attributing it to something or, or, or am I just attributing it to something else? Turo, what do you think about this whole world order thing being such a, d- a deal again? I mean, you're right. I mean, it was supposed to lead up to something, you know, big because, you know, King Triton made a big deal about it. And then all of a sudden, like, that just went out the window in Kingdom Hearts 2. Yeah, they never really (laughs) brought it up. And and, and you you even went back to Atlantica, where King King Triton (laughs) is. He doesn't even bring it up again. Yeah, doesn't care. All you're doing is meddling. And I, I bet you at that point, he's just like, you know what? I give up. I give up. This kid keeps showing up. Like, yeah. Not just here, but other worlds. Because, you know, he he, he realizes... Because King Triton has, you know, not a lot, a lot of knowledge of Keyblade wielders. So he yeah. knows that, you know. So he's probably just like, you know what? I'm, I'm done. I give yeah, I'm up. done. I'm sick of this. Look, I, I know he's a good kid. I'll just deal with it, I guess. He helped my daughter before. Uh, I just hope this doesn't go any worse. I, I think the whole I think the whole world order being brought back in Kingdom Hearts three was just to, you know, give Sora you know, you know, costume changes. You know, to be a yeah. toy in toys. You know, Toy Story and yeah. monster form and monster thing. It's just really, to me, it's just an excuse to really exactly. just to uh, use that. Yeah. Again, I take I take this sort of in like two two different ways i would say yeah one of them is definitely like the, the the costume change thing and i think it's also to some extent you, you you have to remember that kingdom hearts 3 even though we know this is kingdom hearts 3 but it's actually like the 10th game in the series there's a lot of people that's not that are not so familiar with kingdom hearts and this might be their first Kingdom Hearts game, or they might be one of those people that just played Kingdom Hearts One, Kingdom Hearts Two, and now they're going to Kingdom Hearts Three. And it hasn't—it's been a long time since they played Kingdom Hearts. I mean, for a lot of things in Kingdom Hearts Three, they do a lot of effort to go explain things from prior games. Like, there's constantly plot where they're like referring to prior games and trying to remind the player in the dialogue of things from the past. So I think this is partially that i think it's also this is where remember how uh we were talking before churro about how namora can do everything but then you said but then disney can say no disney's the only one that can say no i think this is where disney is saying no anytime we get world order world order that's when disney is like saying you can't be humans in the monsters inc world you can't not be a toy in the Toy Story world. That's Disney shaking, wagging their finger. So in reality, in my head, World Order is codename for Disney made us do it. <laughs> That's- and a plus, you know, plus randomly giving like Sora a pirate costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, when Kingdom Hearts 2, didn't have it. And like, yep. you know how everybody made jokes about it by saying Sora and Pete yep. look so they look out of it. place. Yeah, out of place. Exactly. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, Ira, don't take the whole world order thing that seriously, uh, especially in its uh, presence in uh, Kingdom Hearts 3. I- I'm just I'm just wondering, Chero, why didn't they why did they not end up giving Sora a jacket for Arendelle? <laughs> like Don- Donald straight up said, it doesn't work that way. Why? It's cold. 
And it's not like, right? it, it, I mean, they do stand out there. They, they're dressed weird. He's a talking duck. You're a talking dog. Like, Sora, Sora's a spiky haired kid. Come on. Couldn't they, couldn't they have a cutscene of him going to that one oh, shop? Oh, yeah. Going to the shop where Kristoff goes and buys a jacket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would have been good. Oh, well. I, I think in that case, when Donald was like, it doesn't work that way. I think that's Nomura saying it doesn't work that way. As in Disney didn't say we couldn't. Also, it's expensive to make these costumes because we have to design them, get them approved by Disney, and then we have to make them, model them, rig them, texture them, put them on Sora, test them. Like, look, when it comes to new costumes for Sora, if it was easy, they would do it all the time. It's not easy, so they don't do it all the time. So I think in some cases, when they can get away with not designing a costume for Sora, they they just don't. So, oh well. So yeah, I think that pretty much covers our question segment for today. Our music for this episode is a Face My Fears remix from Jaina, who's a really great remixer on SoundCloud. Uh, her her name on SoundCloud is spelt really cool it's j v n a but pronounced jana so definitely check out jana she's really awesome remixer she's got a lot of cool tracks on her soundcloud and obviously this remix of face my fears which she sings herself it's awesome uh and our next episode of kingdom hearts union is scheduled for the 19th of march as always you guys can subscribe to final fantasy and kingdom hearts union on the itunes store just search for kingdom hearts and we're number one Yay. And of course, you can catch every episode at KingdomHeartsUnion.com or Kingdom Hearts Union's Twitter, which is at KHUnion. And remember, if you guys like the show, you want to support us, please support us on Patreon at Patreon.com slash FFKHUnion. And if you have any questions, please send them to KHUQuestions at gmail.com. All right, Chero. It is that time again. It is goodbye time. All right, guys. Uh, I would stay here and chat a little bit, but I need to sleep. So, <laughs> poor <Chiro. laughs> so, Thanks for thanks for coming. I know it's late, so yeah, definitely. I know, I've always always always, but it's just you know I need I need to go. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So get get so, your rest, uh, Churro, and uh, we'll be back next time, hopefully, to do our uh, coverage of Monstropolis and Arendelle in our continuing discussion of Kingdom Hearts three. This was a nice surprise. Well, not not really a surprise, but it was a nice uh, change of pace to get the Ultimania and finally get to get a lot of answers. And, you know, in a lot of ways, man, th- this this sets up the next cycle, so to speak. You know, I, I, I joked about it on, on Twitter. This is the cycle, the cycle of hype. You know, going, going off of Lion King a little bit there. But yeah, that's, I mean, this is how it goes. Like, Every time a Kingdom Hearts game ends, you get your secret movie that sets up the next game, and then you get your Ultimania, and then you get your final mix, and then silence until they finally announce the next project. So it's going to be a really exciting time. Can't wait. So yeah, I'm Brandon saying goodbye. This has been a KingdomHeartsUnion.com production. Take a leap Take